0: Welcome to the Next Level Business Podcast for entrepreneurs who are looking to take their business and wealth to the next level.
1: up everybody welcome back we got another edition of the next level mastermind i'm shane morrow we got your co-host josh pather with us
0: what's up guys how's it going
1: and today we got a special guest our our special guest this week is a guy by the name of scott fish and this is a guy that i know i've looked up to this guy for many years uh we have a mutual friend that got us connected a guy by the name of jeff strong we're gonna have him on uh, in a later edition, he was my mentor on the real estate side. And him and Scott go way back. They're probably best bros. Is that, is that fair to say, Scott?
2: Yeah, that would be, would, would be probably it, yes.
1: And one thing I can tell you about Scott, I'm going to do my own little intro, and then I'll let you introduce yourself too. But uh, he is somebody that I'd admired from afar for a long time. The guy doesn't necessarily believe in a lot of debt, so I never got to finance anything for him, but I always wanted to. But he he – he always had enough cash flow where he didn't have to find anything. And so I didn't get a chance to get as close to him as I wanted, but I always looked up to him. He was, he was like the big brother that was always way more successful than you were. And you just kind of admired from afar. So without further ado, bro, give us a little, your backstory. Yeah. Thanks
2: Shane. Thanks so much for that. Um, yeah. I, you know, grew up in Oklahoma with the school at OU, um, I had two choices when I graduated from high school. My parents said OU or OSU, so I chose o, OU. Got out of school, came down here to Dallas. There's a lot of a lot of uh, people from Oklahoma down in the Dallas area. It's just a couple hours away, and so came down here. The job market is uh, so much bigger here, and worked for a technology company right out of college. This is 1990, so it's it's a long time ago, um, and worked for the technology company and was volunteering with kids down in South Dallas, kind of an inner, inner city area, and worked with kids down there and just absolutely loved it. The director came to me and asked me if I would like to come down there full time and I wouldn't make any money and <laughs> it might be a very dangerous situation at different Sounds times. Sounds appealing. Yeah, so it, well, that was his sales pitch. and I jumped on it. <laughs> I thought it, thought it would be great and one of the best decisions I ever made. I knew it was at a time in my life right then where I could just live on, on, on macaroni and cheese. and Rice and, and beans. Rice and beans and nothing else. So I didn't really need a lot of money, and they definitely weren't paying a lot of money. Um, during my time there, loved it. Learned a lot of actually business practices there just the skills of negotiating navigating that that arena and i was running programs on a shoestring we'd uh, do tutoring programs and we'd send kids to camps and we'd run big summer programs and and um we of course didn't have any any money so i just beg and borrow and 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 almost to the point of stealing Stuff so we could have enough resources to be able to, to run our summer programs and to send kids to camp and things like that. So it really, looking back on it, was an entrepreneurial training ground uh, for me and learned a lot in that process. And, I, I then got married or I, I started dating my wife at that point and, and had always been entrepreneurial growing up, always selling something always reading about ink magazine or business magazine or business articles, trying to figure out a business. That's what I wanted to do. One of the volunteers there, he owned an ad agency and his dad owned a printing company. And he suggested I start a mailing company, a printing mailing company, which is crazy thinking about it now. Kind of like telling you, look, start a water bottle company you know, start making water bottles. It's like, it was just so foreign to me. Um, but I, cause I didn't, I didn't have any money, didn't have any experience, but my wife said, Hey, you've got this entrepreneurial itch. She's a physical therapist. She was making good money. She could um, keep us in food and pay, uh, pay for our apartment. And so I just, uh, after five years of being down, down working with kids, I just started, started this out of my apartment. I had one little printer in a little uh, uh, Mac computer and started printing labels and affixing them by hand on projects.
1: That's a cool story. What year would that have been?
2: Oh, we've been in business 24 years ago. So, you know, 93, 94, something like that.
1: And you started out of your apartment?
2: Started out of my apartment, yeah. And we were on the second, second story apartment. And so I'm out making sales calls one day and, um, this was just, I mean, you know, the phones were gigantic, right? Those, those big bag phone kind of things. That oh yeah. I
1: had them. one of those.
2: Yeah. So anyway, I I got our
1: sales out, grow, by, by the
2: way, way. <laughs> call, on of, uh, call on one of those and it was and I was out trying to make sales calls, not even looking back at it. I was like, I don't even know what I was, how my sales pitch was. Cause again, all I had a laptop. We buy some Avery labels and uh, fix them by hand. So
1: so you would have been about, you'd have been about what, 28, maybe at the time, somewhere in there?
2: 29, years old.
1: And how much would you say you started that business with? Three nickels that you rubbed together?
2: Uh, Actually, I had $5,000. My grandfather had passed away and he left all the grandkids with $5,000. So my, my cousins, you know, bought a stereos, bought cars, bought clothes, bought whatever. And I started a, you know, $24 million company. From with, a,
1: with a printer. You, you probably bought a printer, right?
2: Well, yeah. I bought a printer, bought a computer, bought a bunch of Avery labels with, with that $5,000. And that was that was the start of it.
1: Yeah. Just put it in perspective, how many employees do you have 24 years later?
2: Yeah, we've got about 90 employees and are about a $24 million company.
1: 90 employees, 24 million dollar company. So that's the reason I wanted you to uh, tell us the backstory. because one of the things that I love about every entrepreneur is they all have a great story. You know, and I always want to know if you're on the business side, the story is, how did you get started? And generally people fall into it. They luck into it. They're in the right place at the right time. Or if it's an acquisition, it's going to be. How'd you raise the money for the first one, right? We know how you got the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one, because once you're massively successful, everybody wants to do business with you. But the question is always, how did you get started? And if it's on the real estate side, the question is, how'd you get the first one? So that's what I love about those stories so much. So you started out of your apartment. At what point do you move out of the apartment and get you like a legit business location?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure our, our first place could qualify as a legit business location. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute. But what prompted me to move out of the apartment is, is like that story I was getting ready to tell was I was out. I was out making making sales calls. Uh, my wife went home for lunch. She ran home for lunch and there was a 18 wheeler parked in our parking lot. So I got a call on my big phone and picked it up and she's frantic and saying, Hey, there's a dude that's out here, a truck driver, and he's dropping pallet after pallet in the apartment parking lot. And he's up to 15 pallets now and you've got to, you've got to get home. So I called every friend possible, every acquaintance who might be able to get away at lunchtime or in our work, raced home. And he had indeed dropped about 19 pallets there in the apartment parking lot. And so the job was, the task was, is to get all the material up to our second story apartment and be able to produce that job there. And so we were able to do that and had about two weeks where we just had one lane to go to the bathroom in our apartment, one lane to go to the bedroom in our apartment and, and, filled we filled it with people and just just assembled that mailing for big first mailing job that I had won the the work of we had assembled that and put that together and got that out of the apartment, the second story apartment. So the people below us were really in danger of us collapsing on them. They just didn't know
0: <laughs>
2: and that, so that to, part, to to get into our first first space after that. And so it was down in the Fair Park area on Exposition Avenue. And it was just about three thousand square foot total.
1: That's that's a safe neighborhood.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a neighborhood I knew, and it <laughs> was cheap. So that was a that was a bonus, also.
1: Yeah, a little dangerous to uh, open your business down there, but that's cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, for hey, the first so- few years, I just lived down there pretty much. So I serve as security, also.
1: <laughs> so. To be in business that long, you know, most business, unfortunately, the the numbers are staggering of the failure rate. So in a 10 year period, you got about 95 percent that don't make it. You've been at it 24 years. Give us a couple key secrets on how you've been able to grow, but also uh, maintain your probably uh, sanity.
2: I think that's the, the challenge is what pace of growth. That you you want to take on. I've got different friends that have grown companies really fast, and there's a lot of challenges and issues and problems that are associated with that. And then but you, you need growth, you need growth in a company. So we've tried to you know grow at a at a good pace for us. And we're we're equipment-based, we've got six million dollars worth of equipment sitting on our floor. And so we just can't grow without adding more equipment. I mean, I'm in a position now, I'm at a point now where things are good, we've got good numbers, we've got good sales, we make good money off of it. And for me to take it up to that next level, it's probably another two or three million dollars more investment in equipment if we if we grow more, you can outpace your equipment, you can outpace your staff and and so. I've been in a mode of growing, growing, growing from the beginning, slowly controlled growth. And it's controlled growth because I don't come to you and borrow a bunch of money, Shane.
0: <laughs> yeah, let, let's
1: let's go into that. I always hated that, but I totally uh, admired it. <laughs> but uh, well, you've always had this principle of you don't like debt and you, you grew. Like most people say, you can't grow without taking on debt, but you did it successfully. So talk about a little bit about the mindset of that.
2: Yeah, well I, I learned early on, after about the first year being in business, I went to the bank, went to several banks and said, Hey, I need money for equipment, I need money, can you can you loan me some money? And none of them would give me any money. So I tried. I tried to get debt. I begged for debt. I pleaded <laughs> for debt and they wouldn't give me any debt. They wouldn't give me any money because I didn't have any money. So they look at it and go, "Well, you don't have any money." And I'm like, "That's why I'm here. Let me, <laughs> let me have some money." And and they they said no. And so we'd do a job, we'd make a little bit of money. I'd save that money and then plow it into some equipment. And we'd do another job, and I'd save that money, and then we just so we just it was it was hard early on to grow this thing without money and an infusion of capital but it's, you know, all $6 million of that equipment sitting on my floor right now that we've bought in the last couple of years is I just stroked a check and paid cash for it. We got in that mode and that's been beautiful. And what the advantage is, is our competitors, like when COVID happens, the sales go down, but we don't have debt. We don't have to that those, those debt payments that our competitors do and a bunch of them are on the ropes and really only struggling to survive.
1: Man, that is a fabulous point because overhead kills you, right? When, when revenue drops, but with any kind of uh, ferociousness, the people that have lots of overhead sink first. And I know, Josh, we've had that conversation about you getting rid of kind of your sales model. Right. Where you uh, instead of giving these sales guys guaranteed salaries, you cut them to uh, commission only commission only, yeah. And it still works for them. But you're, the, the premise was you're getting rid of a lot of that overhead when the revenue started to drop. And, and you got to when you're a business owner. It's an absolute must. Uh, so what that means, though, I would assume, Scott, that because you rebel, you were so diligent in saving, you know, when you had these big jobs, you probably didn't pull a lot of money out of the business in the, in the early years.
2: No, I think in the first 5 years I didn't I didn't take a salary until after 5 years. So I went for 5 years without taking any money and I had originally started this business like you said with my my buddy Jeff Strong and we we started together and so after about month 2 of being partners with me there and kind of realizing there's not going to be any money. He had a kid and he had some responsibilities that he had to pay for. He, he graciously parted ways and said, I'm not going to be able to go an extended amount of time without having money.
1: Hey, by the way, little side note there, Jeff Strong still says that is the worst decision he ever made right there. Ending the, uh, the partnership with you in month two.
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Maybe so. He's doing. He's doing well, though. But um, uh, you know that that's. I just. I hate debt. If you can do it without taking on debt, love love that. Again, you know, just early on. I mean, it's it, a lot of people come to me. A lot of entrepreneurs come to me, and they're my age, right? They're fifty years old, and they'll come to me and say, "Hey, I'd like to do," or they want to be entrepreneurs. They're working for a, a company. It's like i'm tired of working for the man i'd like to do what you're doing and i'm like well what am i doing and they're like well you don't seem to be working that much you know you're not there all the time and and you look like you make really good money you know so i'd love to have that i'd love to have that flexibility and i'd like to make a lot of money and i'm like just are you kidding me right Just. That's not that's not how it started, right? For the first five years, I didn't take a dollar. I plowed everything back into the business. After that, after that, I'm taking just a little bits of money, right? I'm thinking it's just precious gold, making three thousand dollars a month, right? And then then the next next year, I was making four thousand dollars a month, and then it just builds up, right? It just it just it just grows and grows and grows. And and it's always been about our profitability, our net profit. I never look at gross stuff. I, I, I mean, I do, but I don't. I always look at net profit. That's the only thing that matters to us.
1: Yeah. And what I would argue is you were, you were probably making decent money those first five years. You just chose to pour it back into the, to the business instead of taking a salary on that money and living off of it, which like most people would have done.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But absolutely. that always
1: limits your upside that they, they wouldn't be yeah. where you are today with that, with that same strategy.
2: Right. And I had my wife that, that afforded us that opportunity to um, live on her salary. I could put everything I made back into the business and just, you know, we didn't have kids, we didn't have, you know, so it was just a perfect time to be able to start a business. I think that's a big challenge people face is at what point in their life are they going to try to start a business? I'd hate to do now, I'd hate to do what I did back then.
1: I I would argue it it may be almost be impossible, right?
2: Right. I mean, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you.
2: I think, Shane, if I did it again and Josh, if I did it again, right, looking back on it, I I really think I'd just probably set an RV out by my business. I mean, I worked so many hours, too, early on the first five years, just so many hours for not a dollar. You know, it was all plowed back into the equipment.
1: And that's a great story. And that's why we love even interviewing guys like that, because everybody talks a good game. But it's hard to back that up. It's really hard to devote that much time and energy into something that you feel like you're not making any money yet. But I have a go go ahead, bro.
0: Yeah. No. Well, nowadays, you know, it's all like, oh, I want balance in my life and this and that. Like you got to put that grind in, you know, in the first couple of years. And and you don't hear a lot of people talk about that. Now it's all about, you know, you need time for meditation and you got to take time to do this. Time to do that. And I'm like, nobody's talking about, okay, the first five years where you got to, it's 24 hours, you're on the clock. You know, and and I love to hear that. And we don't hear that enough nowadays. Everybody's trying to, you know, what you did in that five years, it may take another person 10 years to do, you know, if they're worried about balance and stuff like that. We slept at the office a couple of times too. You know, Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to do that. I heard Bill Gates, what he said he locked himself in a room, you know, in, in his office like 10 years um, to make Microsoft, you know, didn't take a vacation or something like that. He made a sacrifice. So that's it's awesome to hear.
1: Yeah. So move, moving to the next uh, question, I wanted to talk about you, you mentioned something like 90 employees that you have right now. That's a massive amount of folks to manage. What, uh, what, what are the secrets to, uh, hiring and, and managing all of those individuals?
2: Yeah, you've got to, the foundation of this is you've got to hire, right? You've got to hire good. You've got to, you you've got to do that. If you hire bad, you know, what's the saying? Hire, hire, hire slow, fire quickly. Totally believe, totally believe in that, um, we have an extensive interview process if you came in shane and and, and interviewed with us um, we'd take you through a process and it would be hours long interview where we really ask a lot of questions and, and and also really study your past history and a lot of times that saying that past history is a direct reflection of future success i believe in that too um And so we use a program called Top grading. We've read a bunch of articles and information about that. It's basically you're trying to hire a players, not not A and B players is what you really need. You need some a players. you, you, you can be fine with some B players. You don't want anybody any C, D, or F players, right? F is for firing pretty quick. <laughs> so that'll, that'll take you down if you get the wrong people. So I think, I think, you know, if you get the right people, they're they're so much easier to manage, too, right? You give them direction, you show them what you want, you set expectations, you have an opportunity to check on them, and then just, if you've got the right people, they just come in and do good things, right? Hire good people, they come in and do really good things if you give them direction, and hire bad people, and they come in and do really bad things. So you've got to have some really good people on your staff, and that helps.
1: Yeah. And you probably had a lot of trial and error. I don't know how many people you probably hired through the years, but I'll bet that number's probably oh, yeah. four digits.
2: Yeah. Early, early on. I mean, we, you know, we'd hire guys and find out he's selling stuff out through our, the back end of our warehouse. And, and, or, you know, he's using our truck all, trucks on weekends to have his own moving company. Oh. <laughs> and I mean, just story after story right. Just, just, we find these guys and, and be like, you know, you just felt like you, you got them from from just, just the, the jail or whatever, right? And, and you look back on it and go, why why would I hire them? Why would I? It's kind of like I kind of look at it like I've got two daughters, two daughters and one son, right? It's like if I if I don't feel comfortable about that person I'm going to hire to hang out with my daughters – in a private setting then they sure don't need to be hanging out at my company. Right. If I don't trust them enough to hang out with my daughters in a private setting, then I sure don't trust them to to participate in being part of my company.
1: That's a very uh, simple, but powerful uh, analogy right there, bro. Thanks for sharing that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We've got a guy who, who worked for me that basically hired a criminal and he's got several daughters also so I told them hey bring your daughters up here I want I want them to spend the spend a day with this criminal dude you just hired him <laughs> you like not a chance right no way am I going to do that and I'm like well why did you bring him into my company right and cause So we got rid of him pretty quick so
1: so another thing that I, I, I know for a fact, I know you're in a mastermind group. Your your group is, uh, is C12, and I know you've been a part of that for many years. And one of the things Josh and I, you know, we're on this every week is having wise counsel around you. And one thing I always love about the mastermind group is, uh, you not only get wise counsel, you get accountability accountability is key. You, you're not really going to grow without setting goals, but then having somebody kick you in the butt when you don't reach those goals. Right. And they always just, the, the group we had, it just, you you kept the ego in check because these dudes are going to call you out. You know, they're not going to let you uh, just run rough shot and have that, you know, crappy attitude. It's just not going to happen. So Tell me how you've been a part of one for many years. Tell us a little bit about what you get out of that group and why you're still a part of it.
2: Yeah, we, I started in there about uh, uh, ten years ago now, and it's a group of uh, twelve guys. They're all business owners, and they've it's it's been fun. It's, we've all grown up uh, in this group. Our businesses have grown up. Have guys that have started out with small businesses, and they're 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 big businesses in this in this group. There's big business owners, but it is an opportunity to check your ego at the door. You're not the smartest guy in the room because there's always somebody going to be smarter than you about a specific area that uh, you can you can talk to, and they give direction. Uh, a lot of times you're in a silo running your own deal right you're expected to have all the answers and and, uh, this gives you an opportunity to go there and really try to get understanding of what other people have done what what um, has worked for other people what hasn't worked for other people it's just an educational process with a bunch of smart guys And it's all guys in our group. We we need to recruit some ladies also, but smart guys that um, have an opportunity to share what they've learned, and we—I have an opportunity to share what I've learned and and pass it on to them. And it's really worked out well for us. It's been been great. Learn lots of lots of things from different business owners.
1: Yeah, and we talk about if you just get the group of wise counsel keeps you out of one bad dumb decision. I mean, it can cost you tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, absolutely. And so just vetting ideas off of these guys and, you know, that, 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 that ability to share ideas and thoughts and strategy, you know, thoughts that you're having, it's, it's invaluable.
2: Yeah, it's been, been, been great. I mean, we can, I can point back to that as, as one of the best things we've done in our business to have our business grow and It's all different, you know, all different types of businesses, different. I mean, some guys are totally fine with debt. I'm probably over here with debt. Don't like debt at all. Some guys have their business and they've grown and they've done great with debt. So it's just a melting in the minds trying to figure out the best way to do it. But we all come down to some certain things, right? You, You know, just the integrity of trying to run your business right, correctly, um, hiring good people serving a good product whatever your product is to our customers trying to take care of your employees doing a really good job for them because we know if we help take care of our employees that they'll help take care of us in this process also and it's the right thing to do um, and it's it's it, we've we've tried to do this as a group and it's real encouraging to have other people trying to do this as a group trying to help your community is another another thing these guys all participate in which is awesome
0: i like that i've never heard that that last one actually before it's usually about how can we get out of zero (laughs) to the end
2: right yeah well what's what's amazing is you know if you if you take care of your employees and you, you help and participate in the community and you, you um, we, we do a lot of stuff that's involved in helping helping with our community and, and if you do those kind of things it, i think at the end of the day it really does help your bottom line not that you should do that because um, you want to make more money and for a selfish reason but i do think it does uh, lend itself to we're a better, more profitable company with happy employees here and employees that understand that we give money to other people and help other people. And, and, um, so they, they work hard and and appreciate being here. So that's, that's, that's very worthwhile,
1: man. That is such a powerful point. I can tell you when we had the restaurant, somebody came to us with the idea why don't you have a charity night? I'd never thought of it. And, uh, we vetted it out. How do we do that? And so we went down the road and what we did was we picked a charity and we would do Wednesday night. So Wednesday night was charity night. And we donated like, let's say 10% of food sales went to a, we, we did a local charity in this town that we were in. And what was so interesting is you felt good about doing it, right? Cause you knew you were doing it, doing a good thing, but the community got behind it. And, uh, but the flip side for us on the business side is our sales on that night went up, you know, probably percent. And it was we didn't necessarily do it for that, but that was just a side benefit that that right. came along with that. So right. Right. giving back is a big deal. I've always believed that. So that's cool. You guys do that.
2: Yeah, a great example of, of how this works for us is that we. About eight years ago, we decided to start taking an annual trip to Guatemala with our staff and going down there and installing stoves and water filters in the Mayan Indian communities. And so we started doing this eight years ago. We probably take um, eight staff members and there might be someone from our production department or data department, our warehouse, our so they're all different departments. We want, we want a representative from every different department that we have. And they fly down there. So it's an international trip down to Guatemala City. And then we go to the Mayan community villages and we work and install stoves. So we've installed a bunch of stoves, a bunch of water filters now, and then we're working as a team together. And so the data guy is working with a sales guy who's working with a manager of our warehouse who's working with a production floor worker. And it's, it's, we didn't do this for the reason, but it has been so beneficial for our business because people get along here now much better than before because it's not Joe, the sales guy that's being meaty because he's bringing all this work. It's Joe, the guy you spent a week with installing stoves in Guatemala. And so there's just such a more personal relational, uh, atmosphere that's been built because of that. And, and then hopefully we're helping a lot of people down in Guatemala also.
1: Yeah. And I've seen your books at at his office. He's you, you guys make a book of the trip every year. And they got those on the on the counter. It's so cool, man, seeing what you guys are doing and how you give them back. But you can see you can see even from the pictures how how your uh, team bonds during that during that time down there.
2: It's great. One of the best things we've ever done as a company, for sure.
1: That's really cool. Yeah, it's great. All right, one last thing, man. Where where do you where do you see yourself going next with the company? You going to do another twenty four years, or
2: Um, that's a that's that's a long long time down the road um yeah great great question i'm probably trying to figure that out in my mind right now um i am in a position that i really i get i'm in a great position right now right i'm telling you that people come to me all the time that are 50 something years old and they're like, I'd like to have your life, right? You don't work that much. You don't work all the time. And I'd like to have that money. Right. And I'm, you know, I told you the story about it. It wasn't, hasn't always been like this. So I'd like to just keep riding this wave for, a, for, a, for a while. I mean, I'm, I'm putting, you know, making good money. I'm making investments with that money, buying real estate and doing some things like that, that, that just give me mailbox money.
1: Which we love, by the way. We're we're big proponents of that.
2: Yeah, that's that's the best kind of money, right? And so, I've I've done multiple deals, um, transactions for in the real estate world. I've made other investments that are just kind of paying off and getting this mailbox money. But I'm I'm still energized. I still like it. I still think there's some growth growth in our area. You know, we we are in a market that's not really a growing market. Direct mail. You know, that's that's what we do, but. We've continually grown every year, every year, every year, because we're doing something right for our customers, right? Helping them get better response and, and, and taking care of our employees. And so we're, we're growing in an industry that's shrinking.
1: That's amazing.
2: So I want to keep doing that.
1: That is really cool. All right. Last thing, uh, what advice do you give out there for the entrepreneur who's struggling or wanting to get started? Give us a little advice on that.
2: Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, I remember early on telling my wife coming home one day from work and this was in the first five-year time period that it felt like it was a fist fight every day.
1: <laughs>
2: I'd go in there and I really felt like I'd, I'm coming home at nine or 10 at night and I felt like I've been in a fist fight and then I'm going to get up and go back to the next morning and do it again. Keep it up keep alive long enough, keep surviving long enough, keep above water long enough that you can make adjustments to stay in business and you can continue learning and make make changes to the way you manage, the way you sell, the way you just, just do everything. Keep alive long enough that you can succeed. If you keep alive long enough, and you're
1: smart about it, you will succeed. I love it. Parting shots, Josh. You got any?
0: No, I'm blown away. It's a it's awesome, awesome story. Good inspiration. Um, I do have one question though. What, uh, what does your day to day look like, sir? So, like, what? How involved are you in, in the business? Uh, are you there every day? Like when you get to that level, what, what, what are you focused on in your business?
2: Yeah. I Mostly work with like managers of departments gotcha. um, and just make sure like, like some of the company, we've got a big production department and it's got, you know, a, a operations manager that's over that. Well, if he's got, he, he came into my office earlier today and had a couple questions um, and so we just sat down and talked about that and just kind of using my experience of of um having, having done this so long that, that I work with him, you know. The I'll I'll go over the numbers today from last month, and so I'll go through all those numbers with my finance team. Um, I'll work with my salespeople on Fridays. We have our sales meeting on Friday. How can I how can I do that? That's that's the engine that, that feeds this beast, and so we've got to keep that keep that tuned up and so i'll work with them i'll make key hires i'll make i think it's real important um that, that i'm involved in the hiring process right i've got a. have got a motto anybody is saying that anytime if you hire someone you've got to be able to fire someone right so if my operations guy hires this person well if they're not working out they've got to be able to fire them um mm-hmm. so anyway just i People that people that I'd I'd have to terminate if I would have to terminate them. I want to interview them. Well, I want to I want to make sure we've got the right people um, on on our ship. So yeah, that's that's what it looks like. A lot more flexibility now um, than than I had early on, of course. And and I like it though. I, I keep showing up more than I probably need to, but I, I like it. Hey, I want a
1: job like yours too, one day, Scott. I too want to make a lot of money and not work very much.
2: Yeah. Good luck with that, Shane.
1: (laughs) Well, that's going to do it for this show. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Scott was a fabulous interview. I knew he would be. He's a guy I admired for a long time. And, you know, we did that just because we want to uh, encourage all these day to day business owners and he truly, too, is an everyday business owner. I've, I've, I've known this guy for a while. I've I've been to a few fight parties with him and had drinks and all that stuff. And he's just a cool dude, just an everyday guy. So I hope you guys are inspired, you're encouraged, and we will see you guys next time.
0: All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to check us out, nlmastermind.com. Rate and subscribe to the podcast. Take care. Thank you, Scott.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thanks
1: for having me. See you guys.